0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and recognise their own history, as well as their queer history and community members. The voice for LGBTQ youth and music only on SYN. This is Loud and Queer. queer.
1: Hello, everyone. You're listening to and Queer on Sin. That track you just heard was Guardian Angel by Navi Karan. You're here with Sammy and Liz. And, yeah, that track is from her new debut album, Brown Church, which was just released on Friday. It's an absolutely fantastic album. Go give it a listen after the show. It's also the name of her upcoming show. It's going to be in Mansion on September 3rd and 4th. If you happen to be uh, in Brisbane in two weeks, yeah. <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> um, but otherwise, uh, Navi, you're gonna just about to hear a chat that I had with Navikaran on this morning. Yes. And um, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, she's a queer icon, absolutely, an independent writer, choreographer, uh, performance artist, data producer, community facilitator, and now a musician.
0: She's done so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's always, uh, you know, the best creators that wear all the hats. Um,
0: mm, but yeah, that.
1: we um, had a chat about the album, kind of what it was like bringing it together, and. Um, especially like what it was like making a, an album theater show hybrid and, um, yeah, her talk about kind of her ideas behind making that. Here's my chat with Navi Karan. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Hi, I'm Sammy. My pronouns are they, them. You're listening to Loud and Queer and we are joined by a very fantastic
0: guest today. Good afternoon. Good morning. Everybody, this is Navi Karan on Loud and Queer on SYN Radio. Awesome. Well, Navi Karan, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Yeah, so it's been two days now since your album, Brown Church, has come out. How are you feeling now that it's out in the world?
0: A lot of peace because we've been working on this for about 16 months and the project of Brown Church itself will be about three years now. And so to take something that has been such an insular experience to turning it into a public offering is I'm so relieved that it's finally out. It was scary at the beginning, you know, just at the strike of midnight when the album came out. But it's so good to have it out. And to know that people have access to it.
1: And um, for listeners who may be unaware or have heard the album, but don't know the full like scope of the project,
0: could you tell us a little bit more about um, Brown Church? Absolutely. So Brown Church is a project that we initially put together as a set of poems that I had written and we got commissioned to turn it into a theater work. And so when we turned it into a theater work, the music sounded so beautiful that we wanted to put it out um, into streaming platforms so people could listen to it especially because the work is so targeted to various marginalized identities especially queer people of color and disabled folk that we knew that in terms of access and the way in which structures and infrastructures are built we definitely will not be able to have every single people and folk that we wanted in the audience that they I, we know that they actually cannot make it to the venues, especially when you don't even live in the city. And so we wanted to create an experience that people could listen to. And so we wanted to then create an album that also stood on its own as an album and not necessarily something that sounded like a theater work. And so Brown Church is now a collection of 14 tracks that you can stream on any platform. So look up Brown Church by Navi Karan and you should find it. And it's got a range of spoken word pieces, um, a couple of rap tracks, R and B and hip uh, hop, and and this one's really beautiful ballad that we put out, um, and it addresses a lot of experiences of queerness and being a person of color um, around a range of different topics.
1: That's fantastic to hear. That the the main decision behind making it kind of an album and a show was um, just making sure it's more accessible.
0: Absolutely, and also. It's it's interesting because I think queerness has turned into such a internal experience and when you know it's the way in which it exists in the multiplicities are so diverse and really really vast and so we really wanted to make it access was definitely a huge part of it especially because there's so many identities so many skin tones so many bodies And abilities, or the lack of abilities, or disabilities that we do not get to see or hear from, and not that Brown Church is able to do that in every single way, because diversity exists, and you know we cannot get to every single person. But it's an inch ahead towards the change we want to create. Yeah, awesome. Um, So when I was listening
1: to the album, um, the idea of like centering queerness as a faith. It's kind of a theme that popped up a bit, like Mm. Guardian Angel is very like him-esque and then uh, there's some more overt
0: lines like queerness is holy. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Yeah, could you tell us a bit about that idea?
0: I really wanted to create something that was not necessarily anti-religion because I wanted to honor and acknowledge a lot of queer identities and cultural identities across the world that do follow faith and for whom faith is a really powerful sense of strength and identity and culture. And so the next step from there was to look at what would queerness look like in in practice and queerness that is a step beyond from the practice of sex and the recognition of gender and the bodies in which we come in and so what would queerness look like when we go beyond gender sexuality and bodies and we you know a lot of um, I had to research into a lot of feminist literature, predominantly intersectional feminists, as led by black and queer women and non-binary people. And a lot of strings, a lot of you know things that came through was this practice of care, and care that extends to elders and children and country and land, especially as someone who is on stolen land um, and someone who comes from a very influential and powerful experience of colonization, and I wanted to sort of introduce this idea of queerness in practice, and what that, and what would look, what it look like if we really lived with intention for our well being, and realizing that no one is free until everybody is free, and that's how a lot of this work sort of grew out of it, and a lot of the different pieces came out of. Uh, this need to define that way of being. Because I also acknowledge that there's a lot of queer people across the world that really don't have a sense of understanding of what next. Um, There's a really strong focus on exploring sex and gender, which is beautiful, and I think it's really important. But once that comes to a certain sense of stability, there's still a sense of loss because we do not necessarily have elders or we don't necessarily have a guidebook that tells us how to live. And so I wanted to offer something to the world that maybe gave people some tools and, you know, allowed people permission to explore.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I love, yeah, the idea of exploring queerness in practice. Um, Yeah, and even just myself thinking back around the last few years, like what that would mean. It's like, yeah, community care and mutual aid definitely comes to mind. Um, Yeah, also with the uh, album, I love the... production as well it's so dynamic thank you yeah even like in spoken word tracks like entire city and trains it's like the production is very thoughtful Mm. there's like really grand ethereal moments and there's also some very like uh intricate purposeful like sound design yep and then also like sparseness is really embraced in some tracks which i love uh yeah i was wondering like did you was it something that you and um levi like really closely planned out and executed or was it kind of just exploring ideas and that kind of brought the album together
0: that's such a good question. We definitely had a lot of work in the pre-production to sort of nail down what sort of music we wanted represented. And so Levi, my partner, um, is also the producer of the album who led the work um, music musically. Um, we wanted to explore this idea, what would spoken word look like if we had to bring it into the realm of pop music because i am really interested in touring and doing concerts of spoken word around the world i want people to dance to poetry i want people to celebrate and party to poetry which is which may sound strange but i also think that as humans, we are incredibly sensitive people. And so what would it look like if we allowed for those sensitivities and vulnerabilities to be allowed on concerts and dance works and stages and clubs and whatnot? Um, very recently when I was up at NAM, I performed one of my pieces at a club and it was so strange because my poems are so gay. And to perform it at a place where, you know, you are so like you often listen to like a lot of RB music that's very traditionally created and whatnot. Um it was very, it's very it was a very beautiful experience, and so I want more of that and so that was sort of our prompt to create these music um and then of course, we pretty much studied a lot of the poems um to nail down what music we wanted um for each so, of the pieces so it was it was pretty planned out by the sounds of it, yeah, and also I think the exploration was also led by experimentation. Because Levi does a lot of experimental music and has a lot of influences from PC music and they definitely wanted to put a lot of the a lot of PC music a lot of um, contemporary music that is they listen to a lot of music with curiosity and so we had a lot of conversations around what can redefine music in an age where music is incredibly accessible like you just need Internet, and you can go on YouTube, and every single of my tracks is available, you know. And so, in an age where people can listen to anything, what is something special we can create? And so, that's where the album finally landed.
1: Yeah. And I definitely, definitely think you've done that. It... You do like address some pretty confronting issues uh, that the community faces as well, which I, yeah, I think is great, very important to do. And yeah, in tracks like Trains, the closet to them with love. It's like very direct as well. It's not like subtext. Um, Mm. And yeah, it's very personal, but you make it clear that like these issues kind of aren't gonna go away until there's like actual systemic and structural Mm. change. But yeah, I was wondering like, does wanting to include these ideas come as like a call to action for the community, a wake up call for certain listeners, or is it kind of you just like sharing these personal feelings?
0: When we storytell as people of color, it is often expected that we share our traumas. And often it is our traumas that is used as entertainment and to sell tickets and to, I mean, the performance industry, the music industry does thrive on the trauma of people of color and other marginalized identities. And so I wanted to create a work where we address the trauma from a place of liberation and empowerment everything that I have shared in some of those tracks are shared out of a place of agency because I require people to realize that this is just my experience. However, this is a very real experience that a lot of people in the community are experiencing right now as we speak. All the way from, you know, people of color, Black and Indigenous people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are going to prison for the wrong reason, because there's systems created that specifically target them to young people, young trans people being homeless, to experiences of suicide and self-harm, to being kicked out of communities and homes and hospitals and whatnot. I think these experiences are very real, especially they're very real in Australia alone. You know, we think marriage equality and a lot of trans rights reforms that we've had in the last five to 10 years, we often, I think Australia is very, very naughty and loves to pretend that everything is good when it isn't. Um, But also beyond that, you know, I come from the third world and, you know, we don't even have to necessarily think of third worlds like we could think of some major, major economies around the world where people are having such incredibly disadvantaged experiences where their lives are being erased as they speak. And so I wanted to shift the work in a way where I shared what I can share, but also wanted to explore this way of realizing or helping people realize that we haven't finished the work. The work is still ongoing, which is also why when we get to Manchino Grace, um, which is one of the last pieces, I say, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it is, but I know what it feels like, especially because when we gather as communities, when we gather as queer identities, the marginalized identities, when we share, when we talk, when we laugh, when we dance, when we, you know, tell stories and gather, we can feel what liberation might seem like, but it's not there. And I think me sharing these experiences are important because we need to also get into the practice of listening to each other.
1: So, yeah, like you you said there, talking about liberation, Um, Brown Church can get very heavy, but it also has, like, some really beautiful, joyous and euphoric moments. Hmm. Um, Yeah, there's some pop dance leads, like, um, show you how it's done on of course. But then um, To Ven With Love is probably, like, the standout track for me. Hmm. Um, And, yeah you're addressing people that have been harmed by discrimination, colonial systems, displacement, but then making like a very grand statement that those values that are harming people needs to be rejected and that queerness community and generosity yeah can make life more than survival. Hmm. Um so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this track a bit more and
0: like how it kind of came about. To what with love? Yeah. Absolutely. I grew up Catholic and so I I think one of my Biggest inspirations for poetry came from church sermons. The more dramatic, I think. I think Catholicism specifically is incredibly gay. It's really camp, and it's you know, in the way things pe- like you know the priests and the bishops and whatnot wear on the altar, the choirs, the singing, the rituals. It is such a practice of you know, but also like it also made me realize. And you know, this is also jumping back to one of the other questions about queerness in practice. A lot of things we do as queer people is very ritualistic. You know, a simple example is looking for a restaurant to have dinner. You know, that is, it almost feels ritualistic because you're looking out at what suburbs are safe. Who are the people? What are the dietary requirements? How can we get there? How much is it going to cost just to get there alone? What time of the day it is? Who else is coming? Is it pet friendly? Um, is, has it got accessible bathrooms so that people can use it? depending on who in the group it is, you know? And I think that is a practice. And so what I wanted to create with them With Love is this experience of a sermon because that track in specific is very preacher-like and it's very messianic. So like, I feel like I'm taking on this role of a messiah where realistically what I'm saying is that, hey, who you are is special, who you are is holy. And it is time we acknowledge that instead of just, You know, sticking to a label, which is incredibly important, but giving that label more worth because it's you and your life and everything that you can offer, if that makes sense. And so When With Love also came from a place of needing to offer people a sense of peace. I think a lot of queer identities, and this is especially true of, you know, cis queer people, um, there is this sense that the journey is finished you know, you realize you're gay or lesbian or bisexual or a range of different identities. But as cis people, the expectation is that you figure out your sexuality and boom, it's done. When really, there's so much more to that, you know, because being cis alone is so much being so much more different to the heterosexual cis-normative world that we live in. Um, and so when With Love is an opportunity for people to find some peace within who they are, find some joy within the identity and also realize that their exploration is valid, their difference is valid and that they are the reason that mankind is continuing. It's also it also comes from a place of acknowledging neurodiversity within queer identities or with the um within disabled identities or just neurodiverse identities in itself, because realizing that difference or being the other doesn't put you at fault, you know. Um it just makes means that you're born in a world that is not catering to who you are. And Web With Love is one of my favorites too, especially because it um, it still hits me, even though it's been over a year since it's existed as a piece. Um, I'm so glad people have it and they can listen to it.
1: Yeah, I'm so, so glad you're able to share it. Um, so yeah, that kind of leads into... Another question, some of the writing for this has been kind of stuff that you've had for a while, like before the Brown Church project, or is it all kind of come together, like, as, you know, created as a part of this?
0: I'm not sure. I think everything, I think the pieces came first. All of the poetry came first, and then we wrote a lot of the other tracks that are more traditional rap and hip-hop tracks. So Where Are You From, Show You How It's Done, Untucked. And heretical bitches sort of came quite later on in the process. We also turned into so something like the quiet before the war, which is the opening track, is an actual piece of poem that is in the poetry collection. And we also will be releasing the poetry collection next month, actually, which is very exciting that people can also have it as a book. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so, what we wanted to create was obviously the pieces existed, and then that then came that journey of okay we need to turn this into an experience people are willing to listen to. And so we, um, Karnan for example, came purely because Litany of the Lost needed a second part. So Litany of the Lost and Karnan are a part of one piece. Um, and then, but because they're so incredibly massive pieces um, as they needed to be, we decided to divide them into two pieces. And so it's a bit of everything. Um, and, you know, if, there might be a second part to this or there might be an entirely new work. The creative process is never over. Yeah,
1: definitely. So so this is going to be like Brown Church is going to be an album, a show and a um, collection of poetry. Um, is that like bringing the show together, but then also thinking about how it could work as those other mediums. Was that like challenging at all for you?
0: That's such a good question. I've not thought of that. I think, it is challenging, but it is not because that is my practice. Yeah, Brown Church exists in so many different ways. And also it is reminiscent of the message itself that we exist in so many different ways. And I think for me it comes down as access because I want it to be available as a theater work, an album, a poetry book. We also want to put together a little gallery because we are specifically creating costuming. And there's a lot of pieces of clothing that I have when I explored queerness that I want to exhibit as as a piece, you know, as a gallery. So if you're a gallery, gallerist, hit me up. Um, I also want to tour the work. And when we tour the work, every location will be different because I want to adapt the work to the communities that we are going to um, and also have local artists. And I think it comes down to wanting to give people what they can tell us they need. And going into that consultate, consultative process because acknowledging that not everyone wants to listen to a work because it is quite heavy at the end of the day, especially if you're queer and marginalized. Um, but not everyone likes reading. Not everyone likes being on a theater work. And so my brain wants to create as many piece, points of access as possible. So, um, yeah, I think part of it is also just realizing that we deserve to take that space. And so I want to be able to take as many spaces as possible in as many industries, because at the end of the day, it also allows for the people within the collective that I'm working with, that predominantly consists of women and non-binary people and queer people and people of color, we can give them jobs and we can also empower them to be a part of the industry.
1: Uh, Like you just mentioned, um, Brown Church, especially this show, is by the Navi Karan Collective. Um, Could you introduce that collective like a little bit more?
0: Absolutely. So the Navi Karan Collective is sort of a, it is a company and it's not. So we gather for every project we receive commission for. And part of the idea is that I'm leading it from a place of a producer. And we are still in its very formative age. We've produced like maybe three works. And the idea is, for every project we get commissioned for, we think about who wants to lead the project. So for Brown Church, I'm the person leading the project. It is a collective that consists predominantly of women and non-binary people of color, that, and that includes First Nations people, Black and Indigenous folk, and disabled folk, and then thinking of identities that we don't see on stages, like single parents, disabled folk, fat bodies, and other identities. And the idea is that we allow everyone to lead from a place of consent and agency. So part of it is finding the money and part of it is allowing people to do what we, what they want to do. And it all comes from this place that people of color and people of culture, for us, practicing art is a practice of our culture. And the idea is the more we are allowed to be free and practice in ways we naturally have, it will lead to a place where we can care for various different things like elders and children and land. And the idea as well is to put that into practice so deeply and entrench it and share the practice of it that it can lead to bigger changes like tackling the homelessness challenges and systemic challenges around not ha- people not having homes, climate change, the rampant rates of domestic and family violence and other disadvantages. We lead from an anti-racist feminist practice, but that is also defined by everyone. We acknowledge that we are quite deeply entrenched in the system, and so it's not always easy and accessible to be anti-racist as much as possible. Especially because, you know, um, we are parts of systems that, if we do not sort of conform, which we don't want to, and we often don't, um, and it's about negotiating those terms. That's us. It's very complex, but the idea is essentially we are a creative collective and we are quite epic in the work we do and it often comes down to storytelling and we're all brown and black and amazing <laughs> yeah fantastic
1: so um yeah and the you're putting on the brown church show it's going to be in two weeks like how you and everyone in the collective feeling about it I
0: personally am so excited I love being on stage I love talking to people from a from because I think when I'm on stage it's when I'm doing my role when I'm doing my job In the community and so it's really epic i really enjoy uh, sharing with people it is coming up to be a really beautiful work everything that you see on stage is original from the costuming to the music and the choreography and the theater it is honestly one of the most unique works that you'll ever witness in australia simply because of how intentionally we have built the work for its audiences in a way in which we want to build community, not just for the people who come and access the work, but also for the cast and crew. And the idea is we really empower everyone involved. And yeah, I am so excited. Tickets are still available. If you're in Brisbane, Mianjin, please come forth and check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely go if you are a Mianjin listener. So yeah, you, you kind of already spoke on this a bit, but um, yeah, so like how does bringing... Uh, the Brown Church production together like feel different to theatre projects you've done in the past? It is
0: extremely strange because I acknowledge how personal the work is for me, predominantly because it's written out of my experiences of being in the community and being a marginalised person. And at the same time, I think it's the most empowering project that I've ever been a part of. I've definitely been through some really steep learning curves, not just as a theater practitioner, but also as a producer. And quite intentionally being a part of systems of the like, you know, the performance industry, for example, that don't necessarily want to see people like me on stages. And so I feel like I've grown a lot more stronger and resilient. And in that way also there's a lot of trauma that we've had to endure just because of how challenging these systems can be. And I think the lessons I've learned in relation to being patient, in relation to sticking to my values, in relation to caring for everyone in the cast and the crew is one of the most special experiences simply because we love everyone. And, you know, I keep saying this a lot. We, every time we have a lunch break, Because we're all brown, the food we share is the most epic part of building this show because we come together as a family, we eat and we share, and we have some really robust conversations and we we invite guests from different industries because I'm also interested in bridging the gap between frontline work that includes social work and abolition and the theater and performance and storytelling industries and the work that I'm involved in. And so it's... It's definitely, I definitely believe that brown church is a revolution and it's a protest, and all of this feels like I'm preparing for something bigger.
1: Yeah, awesome. I love the um, the. It's very like intentional that you want to kind of bridge that gap between yeah, frontline work and performance. So I think yeah, some people, it, it can feel a bit disconnected or like people hmm. who maybe practice both don't want to merge those worlds um for you know whatever reason there's maybe Mm. like a lot to unpack there personally or like how the community views it but i definitely think you know there is a lot of um of power in merging those and you know in other countries and cultures it's Mm. a well-practiced thing in like protest and direct action spaces to include art and performance in it yeah
0: i mean it often just comes down to when you watch something on stage do you actually relate to it is it actually being conducive to the communities you want to see. You know, when you go to, I mean, imagine the biggest performance stage that is in, in your city, you know. So for us, it's QPAC, which is Queensland Performing Arts Centre. Um, and that's where your massive Queensland ballet shows and Australian ballet shows and like your massive theatre works happen or your musicals happen. Is that really creating the change you want to see? And to me, that answer is no, because even just getting to these venues is impossible for a lot of people. And so, you know, like a lot of my friends who are so deeply involved in the frontline advocacy work and a lot of the protests they organize and whatnot, I don't even see them being able to come to my shows. And we work really hard to make sure it's accessible simply because their lives are so challenging in the work they do. And so my often intention with these works is how can we bridge this gap so that the conversations we have is real and you know useful and intentional. Because, I mean, it's, it's beautiful to do another reiteration of Cinderella as a ballet or the nutcracker. I mean, and I think entertainment is very important because it gives us an escape and art is really important therefore. However, we are in a climate emergency there are a lot of our islands that are sinking due to ocean ri- the rise of the oceans. Um, we are losing a lot of culture. We've lost a lot of identities and a lot of, you know, parts of us. And so what are we doing about it? Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, all right. Last question. Uh, is there any chance that uh, are you hoping to um, make Brown Church a bit of a traveling show or at least
0: put it on, yeah, in other cities and towns around? I'm really hoping so. Um, yeah, it also it often just comes down to access again um, and being able to fund the work. And so I definitely want to tour the work across the country, if not the world. However, I also think that if it doesn't happen, the music is the best access everyone can have, and which is why we also put a lot of work into it. I also think that. Also, the what I would like to share is that we are moving to Nam. In three weeks. Three weeks. Wow. <laughs> um, yes. So wait, this is this is based in Nam, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It... Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So pretty much, after Brown Church, we're moving to Nam, and so you will see me at your local cafe. Um, I don't go out to clubs much, um, unless I'm performing. And so I'm hoping. And there are so many works. There's so many stories that we want to tell. And so you will see me around, regardless of Brown Church or not. And I think that's. I think that's exciting enough. Yeah, definitely. That's huge news.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And um, yeah, it's an incredible album you put out and um, best of luck with the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: No worries. All right. um, Would you want to know, uh, or let let the listeners know where they can find you online and um, where they can go and like check out getting tickets if they are mention-based?
0: Yeah, beautiful. So my name is Navi Karan, which is N for Nigeria, double A, V for Victor, I-K-A-R-A-N. You can find me on every social media platform at Navi Karan. That includes Spotify, YouTube, Tidal, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, for some reason, uh, <laughs> uh, Twitter. And so if you'd like to find me, I would love to have a chat, especially if you've listened to the album. Come hit me up. I love having conversations Especially if the work has meant something for you. And especially thank you for allowing me space into your lives. This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media.